Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Art of Fulfillment, a podcast all about what we're really searching for in life, which is not money, it's not fame, it's not power, it's not material possessions. What we're really searching for in life is fulfillment, or in other words, how we feel about ourselves when we're by ourselves. All right, so I had a blast talking with today's guest because he really embodies what the show is all about in the sense that you don't need to necessarily be the most financially rich or successful quote-unquote person in the world today by the measures that we typically as our culture measure by, whether it's uh, having a lot of money or having a successful business or having a lot of friends and so on and so forth. This person is just genuinely fulfilled by what he does in his life. And it really goes to show the point of that you don't need material things in your life to be fulfilled. I'm not saying money is not important. It is definitely important. Like if I had the choice to pursue a path that led to more money or less money, I would probably take the one with more money 10 times out of 10. But in the end of the day, you don't need to necessarily be rich. You don't need to necessarily have all the material things in the world in order to be fulfilled. And we talk about this with our guest today. And I think it's just one that you should really look for if you maybe have the mindset of, once I become rich or once I hit that money one day, then I'll be fulfilled because it's a trap. And I think this guest can really help you with that. Our guest today is Jeff Lenhart, a full-time homeless shelter worker who has devoted his life to serving others, giving back to his community, and spreading positivity to the world. Jeff dealt with depression at one point in his life, feeling utterly hopeless and contemplating suicide. But when he decided to start contributing his time and effort to making a dent in the community for good, his depression went away and fulfillment started to replace it. Although Jeff does not have a lot of money, he is rich with courage, fulfillment, kindness, and passion. And he took all these amazing qualities and rode coast to coast in America on a small yellow Vespa spreading his message of kindness. He's a true force for positivity and lights up all of his followers with amazing inspirational quotes and teachings about kindness on his social media outlets, and he does so in this podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy the episode with Jeff Lenhart. Enjoy it. Okay, guys, so we're here with Jeff Lenhart today, and I'm excited to speak with him. How are you today, Jeff? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Thank you so much for coming to the show. It's 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 so exciting to speak with you, and, and I'm just I'm pumped to to speak with you and to share all your knowledge with our listeners today. So so thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And so one thing I want to point out is if you guys have listened to the Leon Logothetis podcast, uh, I actually met Jeff through Leon and, um, and Jeff had a very similar journey in one in which he uh, went from coast to coast on a Vespa uh, in the United States. And he was basically going out and promoting kindness, same thing like Leon, a little different on his own spin about it. But um, what I loved about the story, we were talking offline about this uh, event that he did. Basically, he, you know, everyone told him he was crazy for doing this, but he did this anyways. And that's kind of symbolizes a lot of our dreams, right? Like our dreams can be crazy and, and a lot of people will tell us not to do it, but, but you got to be more like Jeff and just, and, and, and really just grab it by the horns and just go for it. So Jeff, from, from your eyes, uh, when the people were telling you not to do this thing and you were crazy and people were just doubting you, what was it that really allowed you to break through that and, and to go on the mission uh, that you really wanted to do because it was such a huge, huge dream for you and something that you thought would fulfill you. 
um, about three years now, I felt like I'm living in a bubble in Dubuque. I, I mean, I love the I love the community where I live, but I, um, as I told you before we started this conversation, um, I don't have a car by choice in Dubuque because I can't afford it. Mm. So for about three years, I felt like I'm in a bubble. Like I feel like I've um, I got involved in the community in 2011 when I moved here right away and got out of my comfort zone that way and got to know people and got connected. So I feel like I'm in this bubble in Dubuque. And don't get me wrong, love the community, but again, I feel this bubble whenever I'm around town and um, home reading at night and not doing anything. I, there's just a bubble in my life, I feel. So to escape that bubble, um, you know, I, I didn't want to copy Leon Logothetis, but I wanted to do my own journey as a way to escape um, reality in a way. Um, escape my current life and just meet complete strangers, see parts of the country that I'd never seen before, if I could make it anyway, because I doubted myself, even though I try to act confident on the outside. So yeah, I mean, people act acting concerned, but I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'll be fine, I'm like, not too worried about it. Um, the police chief in Dubuque asked me last July, they're like, have you ever, your current vest, have you ever taken on a long distance trip? I'm like, nope, never have. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, but like, it'll be fine, chief, like, it'll be fine. Um, and a lot of friends and family said the same thing. They're like, um, like, are you sure I really thought this through? I'm like, yep, like, it'll be fine. And I, I doubted my, in my, in my head, I doubted myself. I'm like, you know, I'm like, um, yeah, I've never done this before. I'm like, I'll take it slow and steady and, um, and just see what happens. I mean, I doubted myself, but, um, I try not to let other people's, um, you know, negative, some people are negative about it. think now it's just going to do a big vacation for a while. You know, I tried not to let other people bother me and just like listen to what my inner voice is really telling me and like my heart and just try try to do it without seeing if I would succeed in that or not. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. I love what you said. It just follow my heart because usually when we listen to the people who are and in some cases they can be logical, right? Like saying like taking Absolutely. a Vespa across like the United States, like that's crazy, but that's thinking from the head, at least in my perspective. And I love how you said thinking from the heart, which is awesome. And, and it's something that a lot of people don't do nowadays because we're such a intellectual culture, so to say. So we're, where everything is prided off the head, but I think it's more fulfilling when you lead from the heart. Like, so, so is this something that, you know, you always live by in your life and how do you personally learn how to live from the heart? Cause I think it's something that people understand from a, you know, a, a thought standpoint, but I don't think people necessarily understand how to do it. So what would your, I guess, suggestions be to live by your heart on a day-to-day basis for those who are wondering how to do it? You know, I don't, honestly, I don't always uh, follow my heart. Like I, I second guess myself all the time. I overthink myself um, in situations all the time. And sometimes I have to ask, like, you know, I work at a homeless shelter here in Dubuque. So um, if I am questioning a decision I make or made, um, I, I ask my boss all the time, like, am I doing this right? Like, I overthink all the time. So I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Joseph. It's not always easy to follow my own heart. Um, mm-hmm. But with this journey, I'm just like, it just felt like um, it was something I needed to, like, well, the, honestly, part of it was the negativity on social media. Um, I'm pretty passionate when it comes to, um, I don't want to say the word, but um, like government. I don't want to say the P mm-hmm. or the politics or, um, right. but like. I'm pretty passionate about um, the future of our country because it affects everybody in some way. And like scrolling on, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, especially Twitter and Facebook, like there's, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been so much negativity. And I, I get it because, um, because of um, things that are happening. I totally get um, why people are concerned and why, you know, I, I get people's concerns. Um, but it just like, and you know, like um, it took me a long time to save up three thousand dollars to buy my uh, my Vespa last year, but it felt like the right thing to do. And like I could have planned. Like people asking, like, what are you gonna do on this trip? Like, where are you gonna stay? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'll figure it out as I go along. 
And it just felt like, yeah, like I was tired of the negativity in my own life, being unhappy all the time, going home, going to bed unhappy, waking up unhappy. So just something in me that it just felt like the right thing to do. So I just um, so advice to people as much as it's it's hard for me to say this because um, I I'm my own worst enemy. But like uh, if you have an urging inside of you, like a voice inside of you that says to do something, do it. And I guess along that same line. So about 20 minutes from Dubuque, 25 minutes from Dubuque is um, the Field of Dreams. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's um, a movie in the late 80s where um, Kevin Costner is the main one of the main characters. And he hears this voice in his in his cornfield one one day that says, um, if you build it, he will come. And so one night, uh, looking out his bedroom window, he hear, or he sees this vision of a baseball field out in the middle of his cornfield. It's a book uh, originally written by W.P. Kinsella, who recently passed away a year or two ago. And so that I'm not a baseball fan. I'm not, I'm not big into sports at all or anything. But like that movie has always, even in my younger years, I've always been, um, I've always, that movie's really touched me in a way. Because like, the character Ray Kinsella, Kevin Costner, like he um he hears this vision, he sees this vision, and people think he's crazy, but he did it anyway. Where he could have bankrupted himself and his family and lost his farm and lost his house, mm-hmm. but he did it anyway. He built the baseball field and Shoeless Joe Jackson, the ghost of Shoeless Joe, comes out and plays with um these other ghost baseball players, and he just does it. So I guess my advice to people would be like, yeah, if you if you feel something inside of you, inside your heart, that tells you to do something, or like a voice that tells you to do something. Um, don't listen to any outside people like just uh, just do it I guess that's my advice to people like if you I mean it's easier said than done science but if you if you if you have an urgent in your life for a, um, something that tells you to do something you just got to do it right exactly and I loved how we were talking before and you you said an amazing quote from one of the one of the people that you met across your journey is like like your dreams and goals should scare you like they should scare you in your life. And so like, like you said before, like sometimes you, you, you do get in your own head and like, it does get like scary and sometimes, and it should be that way. And to, to really get clear about like those things, especially listening to that voice, it can be super scary. So like for fear, like how, how do you deal with the fear and, and, and maybe stress that comes up, you know, in your life, whether it's, uh, you know, going after your big dreams, like you were saying before, like riding this Vespa from coast to coast, or maybe just like an everyday life, or maybe you're afraid to like even talk to someone. I don't know what, what maybe your day-to-day fears are like, but, uh, but how do you just manage fear overall? I, I mean, I, I read a lot in my spare time. So I feel like, I feel like just the reading, reading these self-help books, these inspirational books, yeah. people doing like, like my journey last year, like people that have done their own journey and, um, kind of talking to them. Um, and, uh, like Liam Logothetis, like uh, I, since me and him are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Like I, I go to him when I get ideas because I think he he motivates me to live my true life. So I think I would give I would give Leon full credit for um helping me get over my fears. I mean, on my journey last year, I um, I'm really afraid of heights. <laughs> like an airplane doesn't bother me. I love flying, but if I'm like out looking over a body of water or out um, you know, looking over a bridge, or whatever. Like you know, I'm fearful of heights when I'm not in like a cage like an airplane. But last year, yeah, during this trip, I'm like, well, I'm like, I've already gone outside my comfort zone enough. Like, I'm just going to go ziplining in Asheville, North Carolina, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, and you're afraid of heights. <laughs> I was, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I to, the night before, I, t- I talked to our chief of police, and uh, he, he told me, he's like, he's like, um, you have a, he's like, you have a bigger chance of, um, of dying in your scooter every day in your Vespa than you do um, ziplining tomorrow if you decide to do it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. And I guess I have another friend, an inspirational author friend, Garth Callahan, who wrote a book called Napkin Notes. And um, he, you know, he is battling cancer for quite a while. He has been mm-hmm. and still is. And um, and I met with him in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we, we've met before, twice before, but 
I went to where he lives near Richmond, Virginia, um, last year when I was driving through the area and, and we sat down for like a two or three hour dinner conversation. And, and Garth told me, as has Leon told me the same thing before too, is like, but like sometimes you just got to say yes to life. Like, you know, like you don't have to have it all planned out. Like there's a, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. I believe. And it's like how you don't have to, you don't have to walk the entire staircase. Just take one step at a time in the faith that everything's going to work out. So I guess that's what I would say is like, yeah, like, um, just take that one small step in your life, um, in my, in my life. And then hoping that everything's going to work out. Um, so, um, that's what I, I try to do just make one small step at a time. And like during my journey, I almost gave up, um, on my, on my first day on the road and people, I, I talked to a few people that I knew would motivate me to uh, continue going. Cause I knew there's people I could continue. I knew there's people in my life, Joseph, that would, if I wanted to give up, I felt like it was the right thing to do. I knew that they would support that decision and help me get home. But I also knew that there's people I could go to that if I felt like giving up, they would motivate me to continue going. So I, um, you know, my first day on the road on August 4th, I, I talked to two people one night when I th- felt like giving up in Maine. And, um, and they're like, Jeff, like, just take one day at a time, one mile at a time, and just see what happens. Like, you've only driven half an hour um, so far, only day one, and you've only driven half an hour, and you're already freaking out. So it's just, yeah, that, the whole circle, like, just take one small, just take one step at a time and um, hope that everything works out is what I, I guess I try to do. Right. Oh, man, I love that answer. And, and I just want to, like, just unpack all the, that great stuff, like, for our listeners. It's like, one, like you said, that Leon really helped you. And, and I totally agree in my own life, like, to learn how to to be more courageous and be more myself. Like, I've gone to, you know, mentors in my own life, whether it be direct mentors or just reading a book, right? For example, like, you can you can learn so much just from reading a book from people who have, like, gone through that fear before and, and really just find the strategies in order to, to implement in your own life so you can get the same results as they did. I mean, that's exactly what we're doing with this podcast. And I, I love that you brought that point up, but also on that second point where, where you said, you know, there's, there's just three ideas that I just loved about that. Number one, taking the small steps forward, because usually the reason why sometimes people get so scared is because they're, they're, they're looking at the huge picture and all the steps that they have to take, right? If you look at a staircase, that's like 2000 steps and you're like looking at all 2000 steps, you're going to think, well, shit, this is going to be pretty tough. But if you just focus on one step at a time, like you said, it becomes so much easier, right? Whether it's, you know, you just, uh, you just work on, you know, one Instagram post that you want to do for the day, or you just focus on the one page you want to write of that book or the one mile you want to run out of that 50 or whatever, anything like that. So I love that you said that in there. And, and the other thing too, is just having the faith, right? Like having the faith that things are going to work out is is so important because it all starts with belief, right? Like if you don't believe that you can do it, then you're right. But if you believe that you can, you're also right. And I know it's so cheesy, but like, and we hear it all the time, but it's just so true. And I, and I love that story that you, you said there, um, that, that really hammered that point in, um, I love your positivity and I think it's so awesome and it's so awesome even more to an extent when, you know, you weren't always that way because I love transformation stories and I love uh, people who can turn their mindset around in a way that's going to help them. So um, I know that you've said that you struggled with depression before and you were in a pretty bad place, like mentally at one point in your life. So what did you specifically do that allowed you to, to get out of that depression and, and be the fulfilled person that you are today? I moved to Dubuque in 2011, May 31st, 2011 was my first night actually living in Dubuque. Um, I grew up about 45 minutes um, west of here in a small town, like 4,000 people. Um, I've always loved Dubuque. I mean, it's really, it's the oldest city in Iowa. 
So it's really historic, and there's just a lot to do in Dubuque, and the old buildings is just, I love down, the downtown area, which is where I am right now. So I moved here in 2011. Um, I had just, um, um, just broken up with my um, ex-fiance. It was an unhealthy um, relationship, so I broke it off um, earlier that year, and then I just fell into the stark depression and uh, moved to Dubuque on a spur-of-the-moment thing. My parents wanted me to move to Arizona with my grandpa, because my grandma passed leukemia that January, um, okay. and then two days before he was supposed to go, I had this again, this a voice inside me saying, like, you need to move to Dubuque for a while and see what happens. So I moved to Dubuque a few months later. Well, yeah, a few months later. My first year in Dubuque, um, I was working um, a lot of hours because I was a manager at a retail company in Dubuque, a locally owned, uh, yeah, retail company. And I, I was involved with an organization, but I didn't really feel like it was my thing. So I quickly withdrew. But then in, um, then in the summer of 2012, actually August 17th, I think, 2012, it was a Friday. And I was at a music event right here at the Town Clock Plaza, which is where I am right now. Behind me is the Town Clock. Um, so nice. I was right here, actually, in 2012. Um, I had a music event called All That Jazz. Honestly, I had a, a little bit of liquid courage inside me. I had like one or two drinks of um, an adult <laughs> beverage inside of me, which um, I don't drink a lot. But um, And I saw by the stage, before the band started, I saw the mayor of Dubuque, uh, Mayor Roy Buell. Prior to that moment, I had never met him before. Um, like Dubuque, 60,000 people. And to, to go up to a guy that, you know, essentially runs your city, a city of 60,000 people, like, I don't think if I was, had not had two drinks inside of me, honestly, Joseph, I don't think I could have done that. So I, I, I randomly walked up to Roy, uh, Mayor Buell. I'm like, my name's Jeff. I moved here last year. I'm like, what can I do to get more involved in the community? Because, like, on days off in 2011 and early 2012, like, on, on days off, I would just stay home all day. I would sleep. I wouldn't eat or anything during the day. I wouldn't watch TV. I'd just literally stay in bed all day long and not do anything. And I was just sick of it. Like, I'm like, if I'm going to sleep all day long, I'm also, this is my thinking. I'm like, I'm also be dead. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just sleeping my life away. And that's no fun mm -hmm. to do. And so anyway, so Mayor Buell recommended that I apply for a spot on the city board or commission, which is a volunteering role. Um, they meet like once a month. Um, so, um, so a few months later, I did. I applied for a spot on the Human Rights Commission in Dubuque, which I feel strongly about diversity inclusivity, um, equality. I, I spoke at a city council meeting November 5th, I think, um, in 20, um, yeah, 2012, and then two weeks later then at the next city council meeting, then they voted me on. So it's really, that, that night I actually got appointed by the city council. It was really that moment. I remember walking home that night at an apartment I was living at. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I kind of told myself, like, Jeff, like, you don't have to, like, you don't have to sleep your life away anymore. Like, you can, you're going to get in, involved with the Human Rights Commission, at least over serve a three-year term at the very least and like in your and hopefully i'll make a small impact in the community and meet people on the way and so that's really i always give mayor bill credit for honestly i think he saved my life because there was times when i felt like giving up in life like i'm like um there's parking ramps really tall parking ramps downtown like i um you know in 2011 and 2012 i thought about going to a park ramp and jumping off the edge um wow. and there's there was times that i'd go up to the very top and i'd look over and i would just start bawling and then i'd go home and just go to bed crying that night um, and decide not to jump off, um, which is obviously a very good thing that I did not do. So yeah, that's how really I got over it. And my, my best friend in Dubuque, one of my best friends, Bryce, he uh, runs Toys for Tots in Dubuque, where he serves, he provides toys for, um, you know, for 5,000 children in Dubuque and around the area for Christmas. So then that year, um, I was already busy with the Human Rights Commission and working a job. Um, but then um, I started volunteering for him for Toys for Tots. Um, and that's when it, that's, um, you know, just helping other people really helps me. Like a lot of mm. people tell me like, Jeff, like you need to, you need to help yourself before you can help other people. Um, but that's for me, it's, um, that's how I deal with my struggles is I help other people. 
It makes me feel good inside and meeting other people in the process. So that's a long story to tell about one question. But working, you know, I work at a homeless shelter now. I work, uh, got hired about four years ago right on the spot without having a college, ex a college degree at all. Um, so like working for an organization where I can help people every day and hopefully I'm making a small impact in a small way, that helps me out a lot. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Cause like one of the quotes that I just love to live by is the secret to living is giving. And I think that your answer right there perfectly illustrates that because you were in such a dark place. But at that moment, it was like, you weren't saying like, what does the world need to do for me? Or like, what is the world not giving me? Like your antidote was what can I give to the world and just having that impact. So I love that this is one of the reasons why I love having you on the show is because, you know, we're not all about material success. And when I say we, I mean the show, the show is not about material success. It's not about who's got the most money, who's built like the businesses. It's about who's fulfilled in life. Cause I believe that's the real riches in the currency that, that, that really should life success should be measured by. And I think that you got it. And, and to, to do that selfless act in the moment where really many people think that they need more for themselves is just absolutely amazing. So just to kind of dive deeper into that a little more, like what about giving is so fulfilling and, and helping others? Actually, that's like hopefully helping, helping people in some way, maybe putting a smile on their face, but like, like um, doing toys with Todd since 2012 now. Um, so a little over six years now I've been doing it. Like I told a newspaper, the local newspaper in a couple of years ago, I'm like the fact that you play that, the fact that me and um, our volunteers were essentially playing Santa Claus, quote unquote, for 5,000 kids and those kids you're probably never going to meet. But the fact that hopefully they wake up every Christmas morning and they have a bunch of toys from Santa Claus and, you know, the fact that you're playing Santa Claus for these kids and hopefully, hopefully putting a smile on their faces and um, creating memories that they're going to remember hopefully for a while or maybe the rest of their life. That's, that's just a great feeling right there. You know, four years ago, I, I got hired at the Dubuque Rescue Mission, which is a shelter for only men, but we also help uh, men, women, and children every day. And like, you know, like um, that kind of, that helped me open my eyes even more about giving, um, knowing that, you know, everybody, you know, like Facebook, I think a lot of people have, um, you know, facades on Facebook, right? They think they have it all together and they think um, they have a perfect life. But like everybody in this whole world struggles in some way. No one, there's no one perfect person. Everybody makes mistakes with their life. But, but some of us are better able to hide their struggles than others. Some of us have a good support system. Some of us don't. So like seeing these men and, um, you know, if it wasn't for my family in 2012, um, you know, I probably would have been, I probably would be homeless right now or would have been, or maybe not even alive anymore because I would have taken my own life. So um, mm -hmm. helping these people are like, you know, like they're just homeless people aren't any different than me and you at all. They're human beings too. And so trying to help them and like, just, just listen to them like a cult. When I got to know Leon uh, Logothetis in 2015, one of his quotes is, um, the greatest thing in the world is to be seen and to see others. Like, to truly mm -hmm. like, walk to walk um, downtown Dubuque or to um, volunteer at a homeless shelter and just like talking to, talking to somebody who's struggling at the moment with their life and doesn't have um, a home at all. I mean, they have a place to sleep at night, maybe. Some of them don't. But to truly like, just um, talk to them about their life, see if, they, see if there's anything you can do to help them. Even, you know, some of them just want somebody to talk to them and listen to them. You know, that's the part that I'm like, you know, I love, I love sitting down with people and talking to them and um, learning about stuff that they've, um, stuff that's happened in their life and um, what lessons they've learned from it. It's like, yeah, for me, it's just like talking to people and learning about them. Um, hope maybe I could give them some advice about their life and, or maybe this way I can help them in some way. So it's just helping one another, really. Um, if we all do our part um, to make a small difference in our community or in the world, it's going to um, hopefully have a ripple effect with other people. 
and um, inspire other people to make a difference. Exactly right. And I love, I love what you said there because it reminds me of, of another quote that, that uh, the Dalai Lama said once. It was like, we all are individuals, but individuals make up entire communities and communities make up entire cities and cities make – like it just keeps going and going, meaning that from one individual to another, that individual could help another individual. It eventually helps the community and eventually helps the cities and so on and so forth where you can really have such an impact on the world. And so I love that point that you said there. And I just think it's amazing how you know you had this wisdom to, uh, to, to, to go to giving as opposed to a taking mode when you were really low and, and seeing that you're like, hey, like if I just take, it's not going to be fulfilling to me. Like you, you said you work at a homeless shelter now and you, you stopped working at the retail store. And even though, like you said, like it's, you know, maybe not lead to like the most money or like business success or whatever, like you're at least fulfilled from that. And you, because you're giving and you're not getting it, which is, I think is incredibly admirable because it's so hard to find people like you in today's world. And I think that's just amazing. And so one thing that I thought was super interesting, and maybe this is where you got all this stuff from, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I want to ask and find out is that, you know, you are an avid reader. I remember I, I watched a video. I don't know what the timestamp was, but it said like, I think you read like up to like 111 personal development books or something like that, which is absolutely bananas. And so through reading, and we talked about this briefly before, but was there a certain book in particular or books that really helped you to to go to that message of giving and maybe not just giving, but ones that allowed you to get to the path of fulfillment? Because I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are avid readers and are looking for different outlets to educate themselves. So so which books have had such an impact on your life and maybe one that, that taught you the power of giving uh, if there is one? As of, um, I started to keep track of books, actually, how many I've read since October 12th of 2015 after I got back from me and Leon's giving, hashtag giving back to her in 2015. Yeah, I mean, after after I got back, I was, you know, I was in this depression again because I'm like, me and Leanne just traveled across the country. I saw so much of the world or of the country. Like now I'm back in, yeah, Dubuque, mm. Iowa again in this bubble. So I started keeping track of books on uh, October 12th of 2015. So far I'm at 163 books, I believe, I've read since that time. But I would say the book that impacted me the most was actually before that time, um, in 2011 when I moved here, because working for this retail company, as a manager of the company, a, man, a part of the management team, um, every manager or assistant manager is required to read two self-help books a year, um, or personal development books a year. That's a requirement. Um, mm. That's part of your pay. You can read it when you're working if you want, if you have some downtime. Um, but it's wow, actually that's, a requirement. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good requirement. It is. Yeah, I agree. And you had to... You do a short book report. It's like a half-page book report, not very long at all. It just answer a few uh, short questions. But when I moved there, the manager at the time, she knew I was struggling. And so she went to the corporate office near downtown Dubuque here and um, got me a book and then brought it back to the retail store um, a few weeks later. And she's like, this is a book that you need to read. And it was a book called, um, it's called Letting Go of Your Bananas. <laughs> which is, <laughs> um, might uh, seem funny to you with the title. And it did to me too at the time. It's The, the author is called, um, the author is uh, Dr. Daniel uh, Drubin, who is a, uh, a doctor near Tucson. And so it talks about basically, um, and again, it's been a while since I've read it, although I want to reread it. But, you know, when you go to the grocery store, uh, Joseph, and you buy a, a, a bunch of bananas, mm-hmm. usually, not all the time, but usually there's a, um, a bad banana, a rotten banana in a bunch. Again, not all the time, but usually. So basically, the book is about getting rid of your rotten banana, getting rid of your rotten bananas in your life. It's a great, it's a great analogy, in my opinion. Um, it really hit home to me because, like, getting out of this negative, unhealthy relationship. Some of my own family um, have criticized me in my life. 
so like getting rid of that um those rotten parts of my life has helped me immensely and again it's been um what almost eight years since i've read the book now but like i still i mean i still have several copies of the book at home and so i would recommend i would i would highly recommend that book for people um other books have had an impact on me too but that's the one that really helped me get out of my uh my struggles i moved to debut that's cool. Yeah. And I love that lesson too. Cause like proximity is power, right? Who you spend time around with and not just who, but what you spend your time around, uh, really impacts how you not only look at the world, but how you can feel and everything like that. Cause we're so shaped by our environment. So I love how you said that, like, you know, you got it out of a toxic relationship. You, there's family members who are making you feel bad about yourself. Like why give them the time of day? Because in the end of the day, if you, if you really surround yourself with that people, not only are you going to feel bad about yourself, but you can also think like them too, because you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. And if you really exactly. want to be right, if you want to be the best version of yourself then hanging around negative people is not going to do that. So I love that you, you had that, that, that wisdom to do it. And so, so for you, I mean, I, I again, I just think it's so amazing how, you know, you, you're taking such a selfless approach to life and, and, and you are essentially just doing it without the cost of money. So like for you, like, how do you, view money and and um essentially like what would your tips be to someone who is chasing money as opposed to chasing fulfillment wow yep um i'm gonna be awake tonight think about this conversation because it's um you're asking me questions that i've i think about all the time um <laughs> so don't get me wrong money is really important you have, you have oh, to of course i totally agree um, too yes no, no, yeah, I know I get what you're saying. Um, so I want to preface, yeah, so money, money is very important to society, but I don't think it's, I don't think, I don't believe that money is the key to happiness in my opinion at all. Like you can go, um, you can go and buy a brand new flat screen, what do they call it, plasma TVs. I don't even have a TV at home. <laughs> but you can buy a brand new uh, plasma TV and a brand new car. Um, you can have a swimming pool in your backyard or a hot tub and um, the latest, um, the latest technology gadgets, um, you know, you can go out and buy all that if you have all the money in the world, but um, that might bring you short-term happiness. But over time, like you're gonna want, um, you know, there's a newer, there's gonna be a newer TV that comes out, so you're gonna want that. You're gonna want um, a, a better style TV than what you have, or you're gonna want a bigger swimming pool, a, bit, a nicer car. So like some of the stuff I think brings you uh, short-term happiness, but it's not gonna bring you long-term. It's not gonna make you um, happy long-term. You know, some of the most compassionate and uh, loving people and happy people I know are people that have very little in their life. And that might sound cliche, it might sound similar to what Leon says, but um, working with these homeless people, um, being with them all the time when I'm at work, like, you know, a lot of them have not, you know, they only have their clothes in their back or like one bag of clothes or belongings, whatever, and that's all they have. Um, but yet they're so, they're so loving, they're so compassionate. Um, you know, I always tell people, and again, it might sound cli like a cliche, like, you know, find out what, um, something that you're passionate about, just follow, like, if you have that calling, um, follow it. Like last year, um, I connected with Matthew Dow from ABC News, Good Morning America. I remember interviewing him before he came to Dubuque last May, and um, I talked about, like, how do you, like, you know, and so I'm going to kind of, I'm going to tell people his advice. So, like, if, you know, if you want to, like, follow your path in life, your passion, like, what do you do? And Matthew Matthew told me, it's like, um, whatever um, whatever um, frustrates you with life or whatever um, really just makes mm. you, just, like, really eats you up inside, and what, like, maybe it's like, helping homeless veterans or homeless children um, or whatever, like find out what really frustrates you, what makes you mad about society, about life, about the world and like, and follow whatever makes you mad, whatever frustrates you, follow, follow that in your life and you'll never go wrong. Or like, that's your true passion. Work in a corporate job. Like don't get me wrong. Like jobs are important too. And there's nothing wrong with corporations, but um, 
yeah, if you follow the money, uh, I feel like it's not going to bring you, um, you know, happiness. Like walking to work, I walk to work all the time downtown Dubuque, and I see these people working at these insurance places down here, or a corporate, some type of corporate job of some sort, and like, and they're glued to their phone. Which don't get me wrong, I'm on my on my phone all the time, but they, you know, they're in their suit and tie, or um, you know, they're dressed up in some way, but they look so unhappy. They look like they're a robot that they they wake up and they work like a an eight to five or nine to five job. They go home, they make dinner, they take care of their family. And then they wake up the next day and they do the same thing again. They're it's like they're like automated robots. Like there's so much more to life. Like, and don't get me wrong, money and having a job is very important. But there's so much more to life than um, just the average, the you know the um, yeah, working a job and uh, doing the same thing over every single day. Like there's a quote about that about insanity. He's doing the same thing and expecting different mm-hmm. results. Like that's totally mm-hmm. um, what I believe. Yeah. So that was a long answer, I believe, or maybe not even the answer, but. I, no, it was a I great answer. If you're, to, if you're trying to follow money, um, you're never going to um, – that's not going to bring you long-term happiness at all. And you asked me about books. Like I, I read a book last year from Market Angel Chernoff called Getting Back to Happy, and they came to be um, a little over a month ago now. And, like, yeah, like it talks about like how um, – the, the book, like they don't – Market Angel don't say in their book like um, that you're always going to be like a Pollyanna, Pollyannish type of person. Like you're always going to be happy. It changes your – they help you change um, – your reaction to be in to the negativity that you're more aware of it. So that book, I would recommend that book also. Yeah, I guess that's my thinking about um, happiness and money. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And and I've always thought that it's like ha- like like if you chase money as the source of happiness, like the source of all your happiness, because like you were right too, and you said like money can lead to short term happiness, but like in the long term, it's not essentially fulfilling. And at the same time, too, I love this quote, too. And it reminded me, it was playing in my head when you were saying your answer is like, if you are an unhappy person without money, you're just gonna, you're going to be an unhappy person with money, too, most likely. But if you're a happy person, then you'll be a happy person with money, too. And I'm on the same boat as you and saying money's important. Jobs are important, you know, like and, and people value things differently. But in the end of the day, we're all searching for a feeling. Right. And, and money is just a fleeting happiness, whereas like the long term fulfillment that you get from really enjoying your life and like listen like you might enjoy the nine to five corporate job like some people absolutely love it but i would say for the most part and i agree with you 100 percent that people just go through the motions day to day and they don't really question they're like is this what i really want to do with my life like is this something that is my passion and then speaking about passion i your answer i got the chills when i was listening to it when you were like follow what you are most pissed off about the world about because like that, if you like look at all of the greatest entrepreneurs, the greatest service people, people who who essentially have changed their lives in massive ways, it was because they were frustrated at a problem. And and Richard Branson said like frustration is the genesis of genius. I don't know if that's the exact quote, but it was something around that lines. And I just love that you pointed that out there. And just speaking about passion, you know, what is what, one of the questions that I get a lot is, is how do I find my passion or my purpose? And so that was one way. But for you, um, you know, was that the way that you took to find your passion and purpose? Or did you take a different route, too? Because I think the method that you said was amazing. But I'm curious to see if that was something that, you know, either you learned after you found yours or if yours was a different way. Yeah, so and while you're talking about um, about Matthew Dowd's quote about um, what frustrates you, I feel like what popped in my head just a few seconds ago, I'm like, oh, I want to share the story because that's that's actually how I got to be passionate about helping the homeless. In 2010, um, my high school government teacher passed away of cancer. He he only had a short three-month battle. He passed away. 
The week after he passed away, I called the American Cancer Society headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. And I told them the story of my teacher, a t-shirt fundraiser I did for the Cancer Society before he passed away. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, um, before Mr. Schultz passed away, he told me, he's like, I think there'll be a cure for cancer in 20 years. I'm like, yeah, like that's not good enough. Like 20 years, like, why not now? So the American Cancer Society told me that, like, well, you can get involved in our advocacy organization, the ACS CAN, the Cancer Action Network. So that September, September 25th, 2000 and, um, 2009, I, the, the Cancer Society um, flew me to Washington, D.C. Uh, for um, National Lobby Day, where you go to Congress and you lobby for more money for cancer research. So I, I flew out there on September 25th, a day after my birthday. So I'll never forget that day. Um, <laughs> and before I, before I, uh, before I flew out, um, I, I went to Best Buy here in Dubuque and I bought a brand new camera, like 400 and I think it's like 495 bucks, small digital camera, but it was a, a good brand. So then I got to my hotel, which is right on the Capitol, right on Capitol Hill, the Grand Hyatt Regency, really fancy hotel, like a block from the Capitol. I'd never been to DC before either, by the way, that's my first time to DC. And I got to my hotel, I think it was around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I took a short nap, woke up, got something to eat, I think. Um, and it was, it was probably like eight or nine o'clock at night. It was completely dark. Um, I'm like, well, I'm like, my, one of my favorite movies besides Fear of Dreams is actually Forrest Gump. Like, you know, when he's, when he's at the reflection pool giving the speech and then his, um, and then his friend Jenny um, walks or runs in the, rating po- or in the reflection pool. Like, I just love that, um, that scene. So I decided to take a walk to see that reflection pool in person, to see the Lincoln Memorial in person. And I actually, I never, that night anyway, I never made it to the, re, to the reflection pool or the uh, Lincoln Memorial. And I got pretty close to the Washington Monument, which isn't far away from the reflection pool. But, and I was pretty close to the Washington Monument, and I, I heard this, um, I heard this noise, this rumble. And I, I had the camera in my hand, not in a camera case, I had it, I was carrying it so I can take pictures. And I actually, I almost dropped it, which would have broken it. And, and there was a bench on the right, on the right hand side, there was a bench. And I saw a homeless person sleeping in a garbage bag. And like from where I was standing, you could see the White House from right where we were standing. And like, and I just stopped there. I just, I just like, I didn't know if it was a man or woman. I couldn't tell it was at night, but I could, I could tell if they were sleeping in a garbage bag, um, on a bench right by the Washington Monument, in eyesight of the White House where our president lives and sleeps in his home. His family lives there. And I'm like, this is not okay. This, this is not okay to do. This is not. I mean, this is Washington D.C. our capital. And there's a homeless person, you know, not far from the White House. Like, it just. Um, I remember getting really mad about that. I think I called my parents either that night or woke them up or the next morning. Um, I remember waking them up and like just venting to them about what I saw. Yeah, and then after I moved to Duke, because that's when I got more involved in the, the rescue mission here to be raising money for them as a volunteer. I just like to um, invite authors to town. And, and then um, the director hired me in, 2000, uh, in 2015. The director hired me in Dubuque. And so that's, yeah, that's how really, I mean, um, even though I only, Matthew Dowd gave me that advice about um, finding your passion, following your passion last year. You know, mine, with my passion, it, st- it started that same way as what he said, because it did frustrate me seeing this homeless person in D.C. on September 25th, uh, 2009. But that's exactly how I found my passion. It's because it frustrated me seeing that person in a garbage bag. You know, and I didn't, I didn't, it took me, a fo- it took me um, several years to follow that passion. It took me until, you know, 2011, 2012 to start volunteering for homeless shelter. Um, but that's how, that's what really made me open up my eyes to um, the homeless epidemic um, in our country. I love that. Yeah, no, I love that answer because I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. Like they think passion is something that is necessarily like deep rooted within them or something like that. But really, it's just them. Like when we're able to to see something that frustrates us and we can solve problems. I mean, as humans, we love to solve problems. Like whether whether it's in a business, whether it's in the communities, whether it's philanthropic, anything like that, we love to solve problems. But and but 
it doesn't really lead to fulfillment when we're just solving problems. But when we're solving problems that we really care about and we really get frustrated about when we think about that can lead to fulfillment because we're we feel like we have a purpose and an impact and we're feeling really just living our life's mission and i think that is just so awesome like you said there and that was a really powerful story and i appreciate you for sharing that and so we're coming to the tail end of the podcast here and so before i ask my last question where can our listeners find you uh on social on social media or the internet if they're interested in exploring your world a little more yeah, I would say uh, faith, uh, follow me on Facebook. Unfortunately, I am maxed out with uh, Facebook friends. Um, you can oh. still follow me. Um, I, I keep my page uh, public for a reason because um, I hopefully if people follow me, hopefully in some small way, maybe um, maybe their eyes will be open in some way or they'll be in, I post that inspirational quotes. Um, so like hopefully maybe one of those quotes will like, you know, maybe they're having a bad day and those one of those quotes will um, help make them brighter. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, my name on Facebook is Jeff is just Jeff Lenhart. Um, yeah, Instagram it's Jeff twenty eight oh three on uh, Twitter it's just again my name Jeff Lenhart. So then my journey across America I'm doing a similar journey this summer. So um, my my travel page on on Facebook is Be Kind B with two E's like the bumblebee. So Be Kind across America on Facebook. Some people can follow me on there too and contact me and um, you know if they have questions or about anything I'm an open book they can contact me privately if they want to. Awesome. Um, but I, I do have one more thing to say. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. So actually, um, unbeknownst to you, um, Joseph, um, this day has been really a tough day for me. Um, mm-hmm. You had no way of knowing this. I almost was going to cancel, in fact. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I worked at the homeless shelter, the Dubuque Crest Commission, last night. Got home around 1030. Um, had to wake up and be there at 9 o'clock this morning. And there's one resident. I mean, there's, we have 30, 35 residents on an average night. And there's one resident who's he's been living um, with us ever since um, October of last year. And like this resident was again, like um, I tell you, I say about I said earlier about how homeless people are like some of the most loving, compassionate people I've ever met. Well, this guy, like he would joke with me all the time. Like last night we were joking about right about 10 o'clock, right before I was getting ready to leave. I was joking like he would go for a walk downtown. And my um, one of my um, something I struggle with is I, I gave up pot for about 400 days last year and the year before. And. And now I've resorted back to drinking. It's something I'm just addicted to, really. So he'd go for a walk around 9, 9.30 at night. And he would always ask him, like, do you want me to go get you a Pepsi? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so last night he went and got me one. And about 10, 15 this morning, um, oh, a so guy Oh, pop, not pot. <laughs> pop, yeah, I'm so sorry. Pop. Yes, pop. <laughs> I was like, yeah, some people I, was like oh, I thought you said, <laughs> that's funny. Anyways, keep <laughs> I'm going. So sorry. I didn't um, no, 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 no. <laughs> Some people, I mean, in different parts of the country, they call it soda or Coke or whatever. But yeah, right. pop, like Pepsi. Right. Pepsi's my weakness. So last night he got me a Pepsi. This morning I get to work at about 10.15. I'd say about 10.15. Um, one of our staff members working in the shelter um, during the day today, he called me on the phone in the intercom. And he's like, hey, can you come up to the shelter? I'm like, yep. So I went up one flight of stairs to the third floor where the shelter, where the beds are at. I'm like, yeah, like, like what's up? And he was like, he's like, me and you have to go into Melvin's room. He's like, he's not responding to me because um, we had a the orchid man came and he um, sprayed in case to prevent it from bugs um, from coming into the mission, bed bugs. He's like, um, he's like, we went in his room, me and the orchid man. I mean, he's like, he's not waking up. And usually Melvin, usually this guy, he, um, you know, he's, uh, he snores pretty loudly or, and like, and he's not, he's, uh, he, we didn't even know he was in his room. Like he's, he wasn't making any noise. Like I tried to yell and wake him up and he's not, he's not waking up for me. I'm like, Oh, so then it, then I realized it's kind of an emergency. So I ran in his room with the staff member and I could tell something was not, was not good and me and uh, the staff member we both yelled at his name like melvin trying to wake him up and um we looked at him like i'm like 
I, I told the staff, I'm like, um, like he's not, um, he's not breathing. And, um, and so that called 911 right away. And it turns out, um, we all, all of our staff members in the EMTs this morning, like we think he passed away sometime last night. Um, we think he was passed, he passed away several hours ago, like probably, probably around 11 or we don't know. He was, he was dead for a long time. And so that, it was a tough day today, but like this guy, like, you know, I remember my last memories of him was me and him joking around about my, my pop, um, you know, the, him buying me a Pepsi. That was my last memory of him. And so, um, I don't know why I even told you that story, but it's just, um, yeah, I guess like we can all, like, if we all do our part to make a difference and to uh, make someone else's day, like, um, that could be the best part of that person's day is, um, giving up someone else a smile or joking around with somebody, making them laugh or whatever. Um, right. And so, honestly, I don't know why I told you that story, but it was something I thought needed to be said. Because, um, this guy, like, um, yeah, he was a homeless man. and um, um, But, um, you know, like, that was a memory that I'm going to hold to that guy forever. It's like he had, you know, he had a, I knew, I know he had a good heart inside of him. Like, he had struggles like we all do, but yeah, he had a really good heart. Um, so I'm really sorry for adding on to your podcast, but I no, thought that needed to be said. I love that. No, I'm so glad that you did because, and first of all, I'm so sorry that, you know, he had to go through that. I can't even imagine how tough that, gosh, I've never even been in a situation like that. So I can't even imagine if I can only imagine how so tough it is. And I want to thank you so much for, for, for coming on this podcast still, even though you're doing that. Cause like, man, a lot of people wouldn't. And, and it's just, I'm really grateful that you were able to, but also just, you know, my condolences out to you because that is just, that is just a heartbreaking story, but I, I'm so appreciative that you shared it because it showed that, you know, even though, you know, this man just, you know, tragically and, and horribly passed away, you know, he made an impact on your life. And, and, and that was probably one of the last, you know, things that he did in life and he was happy. And I think that in the end of the day, like you even said, like you were laughing, like, even though like this, this tragic thing happened, you were laughing and just smiling, thinking about this man and, and knowing that he's had an impact like that even though his time was just tragically cut short here. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing, right? Because he made your life better. And, and by doing that, you know, you shared his story and, and shed some light with me and impact. He impacted my life and, and now he's impacting the lives of everyone listening to this podcast. So I think to take away from your stories twofold, number one, like the littlest things in life can make the biggest difference. And number two, um, you know, just being grateful for the little things in life, right? Because, you know, even, even when they're conversations with our, with our family members, our friends, we don't know how long we got with them. And, and to see that you were just so grateful for that small little conversation. I got, I, I just, I love that. I love that so much. And I thank you so much for sharing that story. And, yeah, you're and welcome. Absolutely. Well, on that note, I mean, I, my last question here, um, I know you've already answered this, uh, very times before, but just to summarize again, you know, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life? Oh, good question. Because um, I looked up your podcast a couple weeks ago. It's I, I obviously knew your podcast about fulfillment, and I yeah. I thought it was very uh, very much. I even posted on Facebook, got a few comments. Oh, thank you. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, I, I actually just copied. I did a screenshot of your description and I posted it. And um, you know, I didn't get as many comments as I hoped, but I did get a few comments about about fulfillment. So just about um, you know, following following your heart. You know, following what um that voice inside of you. Um, you know, not not. Try not to listen to um, the outside, um, the outside voices, outside people, um, people that haven't walked in your shoes. Just following your heart, um, your inner voice. If you hear a voice inside you telling you to to build a baseball field in the middle of your uh, cornfield, then do it. Um, <laughs> so I would say, I would say, um, 
that's the simple answer. It's just following, following your heart and your, um, and that you'll never go wrong with that. I love it. I love it. Jeff, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. And, and all the best of luck to you in the next travels that you got going on, because that is absolutely awesome. So thank you so much and best of luck with your travels. Keep in touch. Thanks so much, Joseph. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of Fulfillment Podcast. I'm so grateful for your time and your willingness to help support this amazing mission we got going on. I would be so grateful if you can rate and review this podcast because it helps us to reach more people. And if you have any other questions about fulfillment, meditation, living out your passion, anything of the sorts, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Meditation for Millennials. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. And feel free to send us a DM with any question and we'll be more than happy to answer. Thanks so much again. And we hope to see you next time on The Art of Fulfillment. Have a great one.